God's God's so good to us, and I I just sometimes marvel uh, at why God continues to bless us in ways that He does. And then the Lord comes along and reminds me reminds me that that's what He does. That's what He likes doing. He enjoys blessing His people. There's nothing that the Lord enjoys more than increasing and causing our lives to be blessed. And somehow we've got to believe that. I, I feel like I sound like a broken record often. Uh, I repeat that particular thought over and over again. But I say that because it has been my experience as a preacher that more often than not, we come to church and we think we, or most people come and what they hear is what they're not doing right. But I have found more often than not, God has something good to say into my life uh, rather than something negative and something that will beat me down. And I am choosing to believe God's word and his report. And I may not be where I need to be tonight, and I may not be all that I need to be, but I am striving for something higher, something better. And I pray that God would help all of us to do that tonight. For your attention, just a few moments, if you would open your Bibles to the book of Philippians, the first chapter. And I am going to read verse 9 and verse 10. Philippians chapter 1 verse 9 and verse 10. Of all the books of the New Testament, Philippians is probably one of my favorites simply because of the context in which it was written. Written from the Mamertine prison, uh, a man put behind bars because of the message that he preached and the gospel that he believed. And yet the book of Philippians is full of joy, and it is full of words that uplift us. Some of the most powerful scriptures that you will read anywhere are found in Philippians. And uh, it's good to go back and read it often. But this particular verse has been rumbling around in my mind for several weeks now. And perhaps the Lord has chosen tonight for me to share a few thoughts with you about uh, where I believe God is leading us in the new year and what is to come. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, and that you may approve things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. The phrase that has been uh, echoing over and over in my mind is the first portion of that 10th verse. And Paul said that we may approve things that are excellent. I love America, and I hope that you never think differently about me concerning that. But there are some things about our country that uh, disturb me. 
democracy itself is a wonderful thing. Democracy is a form of government that gives all of us a voice. We all have opportunity to vote. We have opportunities and liberties to do things in a country that uh, in other uh, types of um, uh, government systems we would not have the freedom to do. And I am extremely thankful for all of the liberties that I enjoy in a democratic society. I think we all enjoy that. Um, we enjoy the freedom and the liberties that come from being in America. I remember often the trip that we made with uh, the Frizzells into Burma. And our first introduction when we came out of the airport was to a military transport vehicle and, uh, and military men with machine guns piling out of the back of it and pulling people over for whatever reason. If you looked at them cross-eyed or if you... Uh, if you didn't look at them, they, for whatever reason they wanted to, they could pull you over and, and uh, put you away in jail or prison. And God only knows if, if and when you would ever get out. And I thought, God, how, if, I could just, if I could just compact Greater Life Church in a suitcase and bring every one of us over here and just let us live here for about an hour or two hours, I think it would change all of our attitudes about things in the, 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 the nation and in the world in which we live. But there are things about democracy that trouble me. And that is that democracy has a tendency over time to dumb down life to the average. And so in a democracy, all that it takes to win an election is a simple majority. That means 51%. And most elections over the last few years, if you go look back over the last few years of our electoral system, you will discover that most elections have been somewhere in that lower 50 percentile margin of victory. Now, to most people, that probably doesn't mean anything. It just means that if you were on the 51 percent, you ought to be happy if you were on the 49 or 40, 50, and whatever, you, you're sad. But the, the simple fact is that somehow in this, uh, in this magnification of the average of, getting a simple majority, we have dumbed life down to where excellence is no longer something that we strive for. It's no longer something that we look for. It's not something that we desire to be. We're content to be average. We're content to just be among that uh, 50 percentile. Somehow among all of this high ideals and goals are sacrificed on the altar of average because you you don't have to have those high goals or those aspirations if you're going to enjoy victory you can just be average and be victorious that troubles me because somehow that bleeds over into our spiritual life as well 
And if we're not careful, our worship and our living for God can become so sloppy that it could be only called average. It could only be called average. Things that were once done that drove us now bore us. And people are more and more, and you see it in America, churches are closing down. Sunday night services are becoming extinct uh, throughout our nation. And more and more, even Wednesday night services have become extinct in uh, in in America, and so, and and if you go to a source and you try to find the root cause, it would be nothing more than dumbing our life down to an average. But you and I will never be satisfied with average. None of us will ever be satisfied with mediocrity. We may live that way. We may actually be that way tonight, but none of us that are in that kind of condition could be satisfied because we were made for more. We were made for more. I remember going as a young person to go-kart uh, places, and we, we always enjoyed back then when we were younger uh, they weren't as regulated as they are today. And some of the go-kart places, they just had full throttle. However far you could push the pedal, how, however well you could steer the track, you could go as fast as you wanted to. But time has changed and, and hurts and injuries and all of that. And so now they throttle that back. And now you get on one and, 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 and it, it is, it is, it's choked down so that it can only reach a maximum speed, although it has the capacity to do great things. I know that I've read recently how a number of trucking industries have gone to regulating the speed of their drivers so they can they can monitor the amount of fuel that's being burned. And so here you go by this caterpillar that you go by this uh, freight liner 18 wheeler that's capable of rolling down the road at 90 miles an hour and not even thinking twice about it and it's barely going 65 miles an hour because something has throttled it down now i'm not against that i'm just saying that there's something in life and and there's something happening across the whole arena of life that is trying to throttle us back and cause us to be satisfied with just average, just getting by, just showing up, just coasting. And I believe that God's word and God is against average. Paul said that we might approve that which is excellent. I like that word approve because it speaks to me of developing a taste for excellence. We live in a fast food world and we live among food junkies nowadays that would rather have McDonald's than a filet mignon. And much of that would have to do with the fact that we have become a convenient world where it's, a, it's much easier and quicker to get a mac and fries than to go sit down and Order something that would perhaps be a little more tasty and no, and no doubt do you better. But we have been satisfied. And the world has gone crazy on fast food. 
And as a result, people have lost their taste for finer dining. And what Paul is talking about in Philippians is developing a taste for excellence. Developing a taste for the best things. And when I got to thinking about that, there were other questions that began to come into my mind, such as, what, what is God's best for me? Not you or you, but what is God's best for me? Because God does not measure us all on the same scale. He does not put us all on the same platform and say, okay, you all have to measure up to this mark no matter what your abilities or skills are. God has a plan for every one of us. That's why it is so dangerous for people to compare themselves with somebody else. That's what got Saul in trouble, my friend, when he heard the women singing the praises of David who had killed his 10,000 and Saul had only killed his thousand. He became jealous and envious of what he heard other men saying. Yet all the time, who could not applaud a man who could slay a thousand people? But he was dissatisfied with his own success because he was measuring himself against somebody that was in a different field than he was. So what I'm concerned about tonight is what is God's best for me? Now I want you to ask yourself that question right now. In your spiritual walk with God, what is God's best for your life? And the second question that come to mind right on the heels is, am I living up to that mark? Am I living up to that excellence? What concerns me even more than that is, do we even care? Can I do better than I'm doing? Those are the questions that we need to answer tonight. Those are the things that need to come to mind as we get ready to come to the end of another year and launch out into the promise of a tomorrow that's in the hands of God. And Paul challenges us to reach for more, approving what is excellent, developing a taste for better things. I hate low living. I hate low morals. But I, I, I hate low attendance. <laughs> I hate anything that's low. I want us to fill this place up. And you know what? I fear sometimes, and I'm not here to rag on you or beat on you tonight. I'm just here to tell you that there is an excellence that God has for this church that we have not reached and we have not accomplished yet. And I believe it would be the will of God that we set our sights on something that is above, that we can begin to capture the vision that God has for us of what God says that we can be and what we can become and that this building could be full even on a Wednesday night that somehow God could turn this thing around and there would be such an interest and such a spirit here that people could not deny coming to the house of God. That we would approve that which is excellence. Developing that taste for what is good and better. Living my best right now. You see, the thing that, 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 that challenges us is the fact that excellence challenges us. 
when we really begin to reach for something more, when we look at ourselves and we answer that question, am I really at my best tonight? Am I really as good as God wants me to be? Am I where God wants me to be? And if I'm not, what can I do? There's a challenge that comes with that. And a lot of people don't like to be challenged other than in things that they choose to be challenged. Now, if it's a physical matchup, they'll challenge you. But when it comes to something spiritual, something where they really have to show strength and fortitude, they will back away from it. But when we are challenged to excellence, it's going to push us out of our comfort zone. It's going to make us do things that we would normally not do. It'll cause you. Excellence does push you. And excellence will also frighten you. It will cause you to wonder at times whether or not you, you've, you've bitten off more than you can chew. But I come tonight to tell you, you can never bite off more than God says you can chew. And Paul said that we might develop a taste for excellence. That we might develop a taste not for fast food, not for uh, drive-through church where we just show up, hurry up, preacher, let's get it over with, I got time, and then we're gone, but Somehow we develop a taste for something that causes us to linger. You know, when you're, you're, you're sitting over a nice juicy steak, you, you really don't want to get in a hurry, do you? You want to enjoy that. You, you want to linger over it. You want to, you, you, you want to savor that. Why? Because first of all, you're paying for it. But more than that, there's just something about the quality of the food. Now, I don't know a lot of things, but I do know about food. And I know where the good eating places are around here. I know who has the best fajitas, and I know who has the best desserts, and I know who has the best steaks. And if you need to know that, just come and ask me. Because I do like those things. But spiritually, my question tonight is, what needs to happen in all of us that would push us a little further, that would challenge us more than we've been challenged, and that would cause us to be frightened a bit, but encouraged at the same time, cultivating an appetite for better things, improving our capacity for what is excellent, being able to tell the difference between what is good and what is not so good. How easy it is in life for the best things to be crowded out. And how easy it is for us to approve average. And just be average. There was a famous portrait painted one time by, of Dante, the great poet of years past. But the poet... Or, or the, the portrait was lost for a number of years. And men were aware that there was such a portrait, but they didn't know where it was. Until one day, there was an artist, he resolved to find it. And so he started searching. 
and he started his search in the room where tradition had located it in the beginning. And there in that room when he came in, all that he saw was what it had become. And the room had become a waste station. It was there that they brought the straw and the lumber and it was all over the floor and the walls were whitewashed. And so the artist, he determined that this is where I'm going to begin. And if it's not here, then I'll move to the next point. And so he began carting out straw and, and carting out lumber and all of the other debris that littered the floor. And little by little started taking all the whitewash off of the wall. And to his surprise, the lines and the image of a portrait began to emerge until at last the face of the poet could be seen and was recovered to the world. And think, friend, that it was there all the time. Nobody had destroyed it. Only people had littered it up until it was unrecognizable. When I read that story, I thought, God, how many things in our life have not been lost. They have just been littered with so much stuff that we've lost. We cannot see the face of God. We cannot see the image of what he is calling us to be. Because when you see the image of God, it's not an image that puts you down. I've never been to an altar and seen that image where I have not been drawn upward. Something inside of me has been challenged to become a better man, a better husband, a better father. I've never been in the presence of that one. I've never looked upon his visage and not been moved to want to do something for him and to be better than what I am. I've never been in his presence and had him put me down and slam me because of my unworthiness. But I've always felt something being in his presence that would draw me. But there is so much in our world that has littered his face. So that we don't see him as clearly as we ought to see him. And you know what I believe I come to this night to do is challenge you. Let's clean the room up. And let's see if we can't get a better glimpse of him. Let's clean the room up and see if we can't get a better vision of our Savior. And we can't get a better glimpse of who it is that has called us. Let's, let's get so much of the stuff the peripheral stuff that is consuming life today is nothing other than a distraction. One of the tricks of the enemy is to get you and I focused on the wrong things. Not to lose our focus, but just get it focused on the wrong thing. We get focused on the wrong priorities. And we think we've got to have this, or we've got to have that, or we've got to be there, or we've got to be... And so we get the wrong, and then we get wrong principles. We start living by wrong things. We, there's wrong things that motivate us, wrong spirit. There's a, there, there's a jealousy. There, 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 there's a, a competition. There's, there's ambition that comes into play. And, and so we're trying to push our way through the chain so we can get a little higher up the ladder. When the truth of the matter is that's nothing more than a distraction. 
Because who are you trying to be better than? Me? If you're trying to be better than me, you may be dumbing your life down. Because you may be far more capable of doing more than I could ever think to do. And if you try to judge your life by me and say, well, I'm praying as much as Brother Hughes is praying. I'm doing as much as he's doing or she's doing. I may be dumbing my life down because God had a higher standard because I have great. He said to some he gave gifts of ten and some five and some two. It doesn't matter how many. The fact is that we are gifted and we have to use our gifting in the way that God has given us. And God doesn't expect a person that's gifted with two to be a person that's gifted with ten. He just expects you to do the best you can. And you know what made God angry? It's when the man that had one came back and said, I feared you because you were an austere man. And you expected things out of me. He knew that. But it didn't do anything about it. If you've got one talent, make the best of the one. I, I think I preached earlier this year about living up to our vision. What the Apostle Paul said, that he had not been ignorant of the vision that God had given him. And that had been the driving force behind his life. I'm wondering tonight, are we living up to our vision? What God has shown us, what God has spoken to us about, what God has talked to us about. We get focused on the wrong people. Ah, my, I could spend such a long time here, but I I don't want to beat a dead horse tonight. But we get... We get focused on the wrong people. And we let the wrong people have more influence in our life than the people that ought to have influence in our life. Let me tell you who you ought to get focused on. Get focused on people that are reaching for excellence. Get focused on people that are reaching for more. Because there's a momentum that comes with somebody reaching. There's a momentum with somebody moving through life and reaching for something better. And when you get in that wake, I've done it traveling down the highway pulling a trailer. You can get in a certain place beside an 18-wheeler and his momentum, the wind and the movement of that truck can help cause your vehicle to use less gas, and still run at the same speed. You gain the momentum of that other vehicle. That's, and so it is. What we need to set our sights on are people that are reaching for excellence. Get excellent people in your sights. Don't keep looking around at all the people. You know what? Until God comes, there's always going to be a knothead or two around. There's always going to be. Until God comes, there's always going to be somebody that doesn't want to live for God. Get your eyes off of them. Quit trying to measure, quit trying to dumb your life down by measuring yourself. Well, I'm doing as good as he's doing. What a way to live. Don't let life be lost to you and what God can do for you in the coming year and even right now by getting in there and clearing out the debris so we can see his face again. And I think all of us would agree tonight that there's way too much 
rubbish in the way. There's way too many things that interfere with. We come to church, our minds are so clouded. We, we, we can't even hardly think clear until about the third song. And then we get in on it. I remember when we were children. How many of you remember when you were a child? Getting ready for church started on Saturday night. First of all, it started by people getting baths. And then mom laid out clothes on Saturday evening for us to wear. So we didn't get up Sunday morning running around and say, Oh, what am I going to wear? I don't know. I'm just not going today. Laid clothes out. So when we got up on Sunday morning, all we had to do was wipe the sleep out of our eyes, brush our teeth, put our clothes on, go get in the vehicle, and we were on our way to church. And you know what? I don't ever, 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 never, ever remember being late to church. I'm talking about excellence. I'm talking about throwing away this dumbed-down gospel that we are so intoxicated on in America where, well, you know, you just do your best, whatever. No, we're not even talking about best. We're just talking about average. And we've let that become the standard. God said, I've got a higher standard. Mark Hughes, you're not living up to your potential yet. So I want to talk to you about where I want to take you, where I, what I've got for you. I want you to raise your vision. I want you to lift your eyes a little higher. I want you to develop a taste for things that are excellent. Amen. Quit being satisfied with French fries and a Big Mac when God's got a T-bone steak, a ribeye, Quit being satisfied with just a quick run through Wendy's. Quit letting church become just a quick run through. Amen. Approving things that are excellent. Somehow, amid all of the chaotic confusion of the day, there has to be Something that draws us back to what really matters. What really counts. I want my eyes on the right people. I want my life filled with the right principles. And I certainly want to be living by the right priorities. And I know that if I will do that, something's going to lift me to a higher place. My life is going to go deeper in Him. I'm going to see Him in ways I've never seen Him before. And I'm going to fellowship Him in ways that I've never fellowshiped Him before. But it all begins with that approving things that are excellent. Developing a taste. Developing an appetite for better things. Praise God. Amen. Developing that taste. Wondering while you're eating that french fry, 
what a filet mignon might be tasting like. And you could have it if you just save a few of those McDonald trips. You could probably pay for it. Now, I'm using an earthly exaggeration here. You understand. But there's something spiritually that is applicable. There is that same kind of feeling that if we just come and we just get a little, you know, if we can just get a French fry from Jesus every once in a while, we're happy. I'm I'm tired of uh, uh, fast food, quick, they call it junk food. I I want something that has more substance to it. I want to see some deep moves of God around this place. I want to see some services where people have to be carted out in 2012 because they're just too intoxicated under the influence of the Holy Ghost. I want to see services that begin but never end because the worship just erupts and people start coming from... That's what I want. That's what I believe God's calling us to. That's what I believe God wants out of us is to understand that it can happen and it will happen if we just develop that taste. You know what? This is good, but it's going to get better. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand together.